Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Glad to be here today. Hey, man, me too. I just love... Hey, can we thank our worship team for leading us? Such a great job every single week. Thank you so much. Uh, well, we are in our series called Unseen, and we're looking at what the Bible says about the unseen world around us. And a couple of weeks ago, we said that there's a world behind the world we see. And uh, that was two weeks ago. And then last week, we learned that that world that we don't see is in conflict uh, and that there are spiritual forces fighting for you, both angels and demons. We talked about that last week. This week, we're going to talk about who is the devil? Who is the devil? That's a really important subject for us to look at God's word and what does the Bible say about who is the devil? And we have a guest speaker today. His name is Dr. Tom Eliff. Uh, Tom uh, has pastored churches in Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, most recently, pastored First Southern Dell City, uh, just out of Oklahoma City uh, for many, many years. Uh, he was the Southern Baptist Convention president. He was the president of the International Mission Board uh, for many years, has been a missionary himself in Africa. And Tom is a very dear friend, one of my personal mentors. So I like to invite him so I get to hear him. All right. And I, I'm, I love him so much. I want you to hear him. And uh, so you're in for a real treat uh, today. So would you give a big, big love? First, Colville, welcome to Tom Eliff. Thank you, Greg. Yes. Thank you. I've tried to figure this group out, Pastor. Is this detention hall? It's the last group of the day, and I figured maybe y'all had to stay after school or something like that. I'm so glad to be here, and uh, especially for those of you who are guests. Uh, I, want, I want you to know something. I love Pastor Craig and Liz. I mean, I really do love them. Last night, Diane and I ate together with them, and then back in the room, uh, we began talking about what a wonderful blessing God has given you, this church, in that couple. Aren't you glad God called them here to be a pastor? I'm grateful for that. Uh, I come with a burden on my heart, and um, I'm like you. I mean, I, I enjoy talking about things that are that are light and fun, and yet this morning the subject is so serious. Of course, it's always serious when you open the Word of God, but this one has a particular aura of gravity to it because we're going to think together about unmasking the devil, unmasking the devil. I'd like to ask you, if you will, please, to open your Bible, or if you have a Bible app on your cell phone, or whatever it is that you use to get in the Word of God on a daily, regular basis, I'm going to ask you to open it to 1 Peter chapter 5. In just a few moments, I want to read verse 8 and then part of verse 9. And I want you to remember, if you will, please, that these are are words by the Holy Spirit through Peter to you and to me. This is the Word of God. And Peter is writing this to those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you can say without question that you know and you know you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, these words are directed primarily to you. Now, if this morning you're sitting here 
saying, I wish I could believe all that. It would just make my life so much more fun if I could just believe what these people believe. I, in particular, want to encourage you to listen because it may be that you discover the source of your unbelief as we study the Word of God this morning. So you have your Bible open, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And I'm going to read, I'm going to begin reading in the, the New American Standard, then we're going to pray together, and I just want to speak to you on three very specific subjects. Now, let me say this. Each of these subjects is brought to light in this Scripture passage. In fact, I think I'll point them out to you as, as we read through it right now. Here's what we read in the Scripture. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith. Now we're encouraged in this scripture to do three things. We're encouraged, first of all, to recognize the presence of Satan in the world today. And we're going to look at that in just a few moments. Sometimes we say Satan, sometimes we use the word, the term devil. And in, in using those terms, we're speaking on the one hand of accuser, on the other, we're speaking of adversary. But we're going to find out who, who Satan is. Who is this being that the Bible addresses in no uncertain terms as our adversary, as the accuser of everything that is antithetical to Christ? So we're going to recognize the presence of Satan in the world today. Secondly, we're going to realize the program of, the, of, of Satan in the world today. He said he is prowling about, now that's interesting, like a roaring lion. Having lived in Africa, I can tell you that a lion, there are three times the lion roars. First of all, he roars when he's trying to intimidate people, and not people, well, I guess if you were out there with the rest of the herds, you would be intimidated, but he wants to intimidate the, the herd. Secondly, he roars after he's eaten and he's full. And third, he roars when he wants you to think he has eaten and is full. And so he prowls about, the scripture says, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That is his agenda. That's his program in the world today. And the final thing he says to resist the person of Satan. He's not saying resist bad thoughts or resist bad behavior. There are scriptures that say do that. But here he's saying you're to deal directly with the person of Satan in the world today. Resist him. Firm, he says, in your faith. Let's pray together. Father, this is your word. I mean, this is your word as surely as if you showed up in some physically tangible fashion, much as you did in Christ. And we're speaking to us this morning. This is your word. Holy Spirit, write across our hearts the truths of what we have just read. And Father, I, I come as an emissary, as a messenger this morning. So keep me faithful to deliver your message. And Father, I pray these things in the wonderful and the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. All right, keep your Bible open 
And we're going to study this passage of Scripture, just let it fall apart for us in the next few moments. As I said, it encourages us to do three things. First of all, it encourages us to recognize the presence of Satan in the world today. Now, you shouldn't even have to say that, but I know so many people who, when they think of the devil, he's sort of a caricature, in fact, almost a cartoon. Uh, they, they, they think it's a legend, it's a myth, it's a, it's a fable, it's not really important. As a matter of fact, he's someone to be made fun of and, and, and it, not anybody that has to be encountered or taken on in any fashion. In fact, we're coming to a season of the year when parts of his aspect are glamorized and, and around the world, literally, if I had time, I would, I would tell you about that. But, but people say, well, you know, we just sort of tinker with this and this, this. but but he is a real entity. And so that's the first thing. He says, be sober, be vigilant. You have an adversary, the devil. And so we're going to look in, in, in this eighth verse. I hope you're getting the, the, the drift of what God is saying to your heart. Wake up. And the theme of your pastor's series, Unseen, everything I can tell you here is only a shaving off of a top of an iceberg in terms of what's happening globally in the unseen world, that, that, that the agenda that Satan has. Now, if you were to take the Scripture and gather together everything in the Bible that, that deals with our subject this morning you would discover that, that it could all be grouped into five major components. All those scriptures would fall into one barrel or the other. Now, let, let's look at them. And I want to say this just so we can understand the balance of the scripture. First of all, over here is a barrel into which we put all the scriptures that tell us about the reality of Satan that he is a real person. That's what, that's what the Bible wants us to, to realize. Ezekiel, I'm not going to give you all the scriptures, but I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures, so you're going to need to write fast if you're, if you're taking notes. In Ezekiel chapter 28, we, we read, we discover that Satan is a created being of God. Now, a little bit I'm going to tell you what, what what's going to show up, what we're going to see because he was created about the nature of God. But Satan is a created being of God. He was not just a mere angel. He is, we're told in the scripture, one of the cherubim. He was, a, he was perfect in every way. That He was morally perfect. He, he was uh, uh, wise. He was beautiful. Uh, the scripture says in that passage of scripture, the very picture of beauty, he was light. In fact, this name Lucifer uh, refers to, to light. He was just, he just it, I mean, there was nothing as far as a created being, there was nothing that he lacked. And his purpose as one of the three cherubim was to encircle the throne of God and reflect the glory of God. Now, there are volumes of Scripture that tell about this. I, I wish I had time to read them to you. But his, his whole purpose as a created being was to reflect the glory of God. But the second thing the Bible talks about is the rebellion of Satan. The rebellion of Satan. In fact, in that verse, in that uh, chapter in Ezekiel, he says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty and your wisdom. He rebelled. He wasn't satisfied 
reflecting the image of God. He wanted to be God. T turn with me, if you will, please, to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. I want to read to you just something about, about Satan here that will help you. This is another passage that says quite a, quite a deal about him. But uh, if you will, look with me. Isaiah 14. And I just want to read this to you. Verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground who did weaken the nations? For you said in your heart, now listen to I. For you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to hell. This is the, the rebellion of Satan. I want to be God. The third category. If we were to take uh, scripture, we could fill up another barrel with verses that talk about the result of Satan's rebellion. If I could just be plain here, the result of his rebellion was that Satan was cast out of heaven. In fact, in Revelation, we read that he brought with him one-third of the angelic beings, and these became demonic spirits here on this earth. But that he was cast out of heaven. Listen, listen to what the scripture says in Ezekiel 28. He says, I will cast you to the ground. In that passage, you know, Isaiah, he said, how are you fallen, Lucifer, from heaven? In Luke 18, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. So he, was, he, he could not occupy heaven and want to be God. And so he was cast out of heaven. He came to this earth. And, and it's so important to understand that there is a reason, there's a purpose behind all of this. You're going to see it in just a, a little bit. And so then the scripture talks about the reign of Satan. That's another barrel. We could take a whole lot of scriptures and put them in that barrel. You've seen the, the reality of Satan, the rebellion of Satan, the result of that rebellion, and now the reign of Satan here on this earth. Sometimes people, they, they look at the scripture and they say, I don't, you know, I think this is just sort of a, this is not really serious, but no. On earth, Satan gained a specific kind of power and control. And here's how he did this. Adam and Eve, first created beings on the face of the earth. In Genesis 1:28, it's we're told that God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Listen, have dominion over it. This is your kingdom, this earth. So Satan thinks, if I can get Adam to surrender to me what's been given to him, then I will become God of this earth. And by the way, that's what he's called. We're going to see that in just a moment. So how do I get him to do that? Well, I have to get him to sin, to disobey God. And God had said, there's the fruit of the tree. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't, don't eat of it. Eve was deceived. She partook of it. Gave to Adam, he did this deliberately, and in a millisecond, they both died, but something else. They didn't die physically, they didn't die soulishly, they were cut off from God. They kept on thinking, living, making decisions, but now these, this couple that walked in intimacy with God, now they're hiding themselves from God. 
But something else happened, and that was the deed to this earth was transferred to Satan. Listen to what the Scripture says. In John 12, 31, Jesus calls him the prince of this world. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, he is called the God of this age. In Ephesians 2, verse 2, he's called the prince of the power of the air. Now, please hear what the Scripture is not saying. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Satan is not, but he is as fast as the speed of light. In the Bible, God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Satan is not ever that, but he has observed human nature since the day of creation, so he knows you probably better than you know yourself. In the Scripture, the Bible says that God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Satan is not that, but you don't have arms long enough to box with him. You're not going to win in that. That's, that's, what this whole, that's what this whole account is about. So we see the reality of Satan, the rebellion of Satan, the results of that res, uh, rebellion. He was cast out. And then here the title deed has been transferred to him. He is prince of, of the air. He is prince of the power of this earth, prince of this world doing everything that he can. Now, last, there's a whole volume of Scripture, and this is the last barrel here, and there's a whole volume of Scripture that speaks about the ruin of Satan. Please, I'm asking the Lord to, to write this across your heart. So here's Satan. He's prince of, the, of, of this earth, but something happened in the Garden of Eden that, that you need to remember. And that is when God dealt with Satan and with Adam and with Eve. You remember he said this to Satan. One of these days, a man is going to be born of a woman. You'll, you'll wound his heel, but he will crush your head. And from that moment on, Satan has been on a manhunt. Every time anybody would surface that would be known as a redeemer, in fact, he would try to put them to death. When, was, when Moses was born. What was happening? Pharaoh was having all the Hebrew boys killed at birth. When Jesus was born, when the, when the wise men told Pharaoh, uh, Herod that uh, they saw the star two years earlier, he sent out an edict that had all the baby boys, remember, in that whole area killed. To, why? Satan is on a manhunt because he knew one day a man would be born of woman who would crush him. And he was. Jesus, in spite of all of that, born of a virgin. And when Jesus began to announce who was, I mean, you look in the scripture, you know, there was, there was the, 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 the lamb for a family and a lamb for a, for a nation. And, a, and, and then when Jesus showed up as a lamb for the world, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And from the very beginning, right after that was said and he was baptized, he was up on a mountain where Satan tempted him. If I could just get somehow, somehow get him to surrender his rights. And so through those three years, absolutely Satan in an unrelenting fashion tracked Jesus. And Jesus made sure that he did so. You know how he did that? Because when Jesus referred to himself, he could have said, I am the Son of God, and he did say that on occasion. But more often, he painted a target on himself, and he said, I am the Son of Man. As a way of, in your face, Satan, I am the guy, okay? And so Satan hounding him all the way up to the cross, and there is Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, hanging 
on the cross, Satan thinking, this is it. And Jesus then, before he dies, says what? It is finished, which literally to tell us I paid in full. I'm paying for all the sin, for all the world, for all of mankind. And if I get out of the grave, buddy, the title deed is going to be transferred back to me. And he did. God raised him up from the grave, a perfect sinless son. He raised him up from the grave. And he's alive. Satan's operated, listen folks, Satan's operated on borrowed time. He's operating on borrowed time. Right now, the Holy Spirit is suppressing all that he does, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He's suppressing, he's reigning in sin. And, and can you think with all the sin and the evil and the ugliness in this world today, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, can you think of what it would happen if the Holy Spirit just stopped restraining? He's going to one day. God's going to come for his church. He's going to take his church up to be with him. And on this earth, Satan's going to have his day. And in seven short years, he will move this world to the brink of self-annihilation. I mean, self-destruction, it would be gone except that Jesus steps in, right? Satan is judged. Jesus steps in with his church. He comes and Satan, at brief battle, Satan is thrown into a pit for a thousand years during which there is a perfect reign of Jesus in Jerusalem. Now listen, there's two things we both need to know. First of all, we need to understand that man is, is a sinner by nature. We're about to see this. He's not a sinner because he has a bad environment or bad government or bad society. He's a sinner because he was born as a descendant of Adam and Eve. He's a sinner. The second thing you need to know is that back in the background of all that God is doing, he's about to prove something that the universe had yet to know, and that is that he could fix that which is broken. Yeah, you can create what's perfect, but can you fix what is broken? He's going to, with this event, he's going to show, he's going to expose both of those truths. At the end of a thousand years, Satan is loose from the pit. Amazingly. There are still people who follow him. Why? Because we are sinners by nature. Amazingly, Christ deals with him in a battle, judges him, and he is sent to hell, not to be king of hell, but sent to the very pit of hell, the scripture says. So if you follow him, you're not following him so that you can, so that you can have some position of honor in hell. No, he will spend forever in hell. He is judged. And the truth will be made known, and that is that man is a sinner because he chose to be sin, but Jesus is our Savior because he chose to leave heaven, came to this earth, died on the cross, is risen, and will reign forever. Now, that's the introduction. I'll be quick, all right? I just, look, I have a burden. I want you to understand what the burden is. Your pastor is doing something few pastors do, and that is dealing with, he, he is dealing with a sensitive subject. I'm trying to do that honor this morning. Look, I'm 75. I've got nothing to lose by telling you anything that is not true, or nothing to gain by telling you anything that is not true and everything to lose. The second thing the scripture deals with here is the program of Satan in the world today. We need to realize what that program is. He says, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. 
Jesus said this. He said, he said the thief, that is the devil, he, he, has, he, has one, he has an agenda. He has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. That's what it is, John, uh, John 10, verse 10. He, says, he said, listen, he said, the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy, but I'm come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you had to pick out some words to describe the atmosphere in which we live, wouldn't you pick out some words? Man, we live in this atmosphere that, of such blatant disregard for life, killing. I mean, we have an even smug killing life in the womb, and it's just killing, killing, killing. And that's the tip of the iceberg. Stealing, taking something, whether it's reputation or freedoms or, or the ability, just constant stealing, destruction. Prince of the power of the air. You, you, you just go gather up the, the vast number of advanced computer games and you will discover that most of them deal with killing, stealing, and destroying. That's what it's about. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So there are two things here that, that, that we need to see in terms of Satan's plan, his program. First of all, he wants to perpetuate your spiritual bondage if you're an unbeliever. He just wants to keep you lost. He wants to keep you lost. Let me read to you a verses of Scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel is hid, he said, it is hid to them who are lost in whom the gods of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. He just wants to keep, if, if you don't know Christ, he just wants to keep you that way. He'll keep you satisfied. He'll keep you smug. He'll keep you unbelieving. I cannot tell, I wish I had time to just sort of tell you my own journey that has brought me to this particular subject. But I will tell you this, that on more than one occasion, when I've been in the process of, of sharing the gospel with someone, they've said to me, I wish I could believe that. I'm glad you do. I think you believe it. I just can't bring myself to believe it. I just, I just, I, and obviously Satan's plan is working with them. You say, well, maybe they're just smarter. That's interesting because sometimes when I ask them, would you let me just say a simple prayer and ask God to bind up a spirit of unbelief and give you a spirit of faith. And when I start praying that prayer, I've had people who said, I couldn't believe, reach out, tap me on the hand and say, hey, I can believe now. Would you show me how I can become a Christian? So the first part of his agenda is just to keep the lost lost. Secondly, he wants to promote the sinful behavior of the saved. He, he would like for you and for me as God's children to just keep, to just live in sin, to live below where God has told us we can live, to live a life of defeat rather than a life of victory so that your relationship to God is mostly apologies. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, I'm sorry, too bad, I'm sorry, your prayers, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's, that's the way he would like to, for you to live. We're told in Revelation he is the accuser of the brethren who stands night and day before the throne of God saying, God, did you see that? Did you see what he's looking at? He calls himself a Christian. Did you see that? Did you see what she said? She calls herself a Christian. You see what they did? I saw the, look at this guy. Look at what they're doing. Night and day before the throne of God saying, ha, ha, ha. You're not doing a very good job. Of course, Jesus is our advocate who steps forward and says, Father, let me talk to you about your children. 
But Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he would just love to keep you living in sin. I know folks who just say, you know, I'm in bondage. I wish, why, if I'm a Christian, why can't I get out of that? Why can't I, why can't I gain victory? So that brings us to the last part of this verse. We've seen the reality, Satan's present, we've seen his program in this earth, and now he says, resist the person. That's the last thing he says in the scripture, whom resist? He doesn't say, quit thinking bad thoughts, quit doing bad things. He said, you need to deal with the person. When Jesus on the Mount of Temptation, there's a good model for us. When he dealt with Satan, he rebuked him. He dealt with him, not with some sinful thought. He dealt with him. You say, well, how, how do I resist him? Well, let me, let me give you three, just three real quick statements here, and then we'll come to a time of prayer. Number one, you need to, you need to be saved. <laughs> let me just say that if you're uh, one of many people who come to churches week after week who do not have the confidence, if you died, you'd go to heaven, that Christ is alive in your heart, uh, then, then that's an issue you need to settle. And I'll pray in just a few moments go, in a few moments that God will take away any spirit of unbelief in this place. I pray you would trust. You don't have, a, you don't have any way to deal with the devil, period, if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Secondly, be smart. Be smart. When I heard a few days ago about your pastor's, the subject, and what he's doing, I thought, praise the Lord, there's some pastor, and there are very few in this country who care so much for their congregation, they want them to be smart. They want them to be alerted. They want them to be aware. He says, wake up, be sober, be vigilant. Watch. You need to know what's happening around you. And so, so you need to be smart. I, I, I was thrilled to hear that he's dealing with the armor, the spiritual armor that a believer puts on. I mean, to try to live without that is like going out on a battlefield without your shoes. You're just not gonna, you're not gonna win. And so, be smart. Third, be strong. Be strong. God has given you, as a believer in Christ, three weapons. These are incredibly powerful. First of all, he has given you his word. That's the Bible. Jesus said in John 8, 32 and 33, if you continue in my words, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you free. You want to live in freedom? Know the word. Because the Bible is power of attorney over the devil. The word of God. Number two, he has given you his name. His name. Now that means more than just throwing the name Jesus into your prayers. It means that you realize he is making you like himself. Romans 8, 29 says he, his, he is working to conform you to the image of his dear son. And, and we read in Philippians 2, uh, uh, verses 9 through 11, that, that wherefore God had also has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things of heaven, earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's given you his name and you go forth in his name. Number three, he has given you his blood shed upon the cross of Calvary, which covered every sin. Every sin. That's why he could say, it is finished. 
All the sin for all of time, for all of mankind has been paid for here on the cross. His blood. 1 John, 5, uh, 1 John 1, 7 says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all, A-L-L, all unrighteousness. His word, his name, his blood. Be strong. Would you bow your head, please? Father in heaven, I pray you would, in fact, dispatch your Holy Spirit. I pray it in Jesus' name to take away every spirit of unbelief. And Father, I pray that for believers in Christ this morning, that they would realize you have given us these wonderful weapons to use in this battle against our adversary, the accuser of the brethren. Father, I, I, I pray that any person here who's not saved, who has not repented of sin and received you, Christ, as Savior, would do so today. And I pray that every Christian here who's struggling with bondage in some area or even in their family or among their children or in their own life and they're so defeated, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they not only put on the whole armor, but they take up these, these offensive weapons that you have given us to do battle with the devil. Father, this is not a fairy tale. How sad it would be for the curtain on someone's life to ring down, only for them to stand aghast at the reality of the truth of your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd find us all living in total surrender to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed? Pastor, would you come, please? You know, Tom just said that uh, what Satan wants to do for those that do not know the Lord is to keep you from Christ. But Christ came to redeem you, to save you, to change you, to free you. That's the gospel. That when we were far from God, living our own life, without any hope that Christ came to us, that he died on a cross for our sin, he was buried, he rose again the third day, and he offers you right now in this moment, in this opportunity, a chance to be forgiven, to change, to be his child filled with his spirit. But you got to receive that by faith. And some of you are here today and you've never received Christ by faith. I mean, you believe in God, you do your best, but there's never, you can't point to a moment in time when you said, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life and I want you to change me and I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So in a moment, I'm going to say a simple prayer of faith, asking Christ to forgive you and to come into your life. And if you're saying, Pastor Craig, I want you to pray for me. I don't know for sure that I'm saying. I want to know for sure. I want to nail this down. Maybe you feel the conviction in your heart and urgency. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you right now at this moment. So if just with everybody's head bowed, if, if you want to receive Christ today, you want me to include you in that prayer, just lift up your hand right now. Lift it up quickly. Lift it on up. Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus. I want Christ to come into my life. Just lift up your hand so I can see it. All right. 
okay? All right. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm right with God, but I want to be sure. And I need you to pray for me. I want to, I want to receive Christ. Anybody else, lift up your hand. Don't wait. Don't delay. All right. Anybody else? Okay, you put your hand down. You just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. And I'm far from you. But I believe you died on a cross for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. And so I'm asking you now, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Today I turn from my old way of life and I choose to follow you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for your grace and your love in my life. Father, I thank you for this word today. Thank you that... uh, that we don't have to fear the devil because he is conquered. He was conquered at the cross. Thank you that, Lord Jesus, when we are in you, we are forgiven, we are sealed, we are stamped, we are adopted, we're chosen, we are yours completely. And that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And while we see all this evil around us, Lord, help us to be bright lights. Like the scripture says, we would be like stars in the dark sky that reflect God's glory, that point people to our Savior. So Lord, as we go to school this week, as we go to work this week, as we go uh, where you have us to go, Lord, let us be a mirror that brightly reflects your glory to the people around us. Now fill us with your spirit, God. Use us for your purpose. And even so, Lord Jesus, come. We long, we long for your coming. Even so, Lord, come. And we pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, can you uh, thank Tom with me for uh, bringing God's word to us today? Thank you, Brother Tom. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, next week. We're going to talk about the armor of God. We're going to talk about how do we engage in spiritual warfare. We're going to be back in Ephesians 6, and we're going to be there for two weeks. And so uh, next week, boy, we're going to get super practical about what we need to do uh, to fight the fight of spiritual warfare. So be sure and be here. Bring somebody with you uh, next Sunday. Now, a couple of things before we go. If you pray to receive Christ today, you lifted your hand or maybe you didn't, but you pray to receive Christ, you need to let somebody know. So take that uh, communication card that's in the rack of the seat in front of you. Pull that out. Put your name on that, uh, your contact info. Check that top box that said, today I pray to receive Christ. And you can drop those in the wooden boxes as you leave at every exit. Uh, If you brought your offering today, you can drop those in the boxes as well. Um, Also, remember that next Sunday is our parenting conference. So if you have not signed up, you need to sign up online. Uh, I think that's uh, 3 o'clock next Sunday afternoon. So be sure to sign up for the Purposeful Parenting Conference next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, we have two things. We have our night of worship. 
which is a wonderful time of worship together Sunday night in the chapel. You want to be sure. We only do that a few times a year. We're going to be taking uh, communion there. So you want to be a part of night of worship. And also, if you are seeking to figure out how do I get involved in this church? How do I know more about it? How do I get in a group, start serving? You need to come to Discover First, a one-time seminar. We do it at the end of every month. So at the last Sunday of this month, we have Discover First. So if you have not done that, you want to do that, you can sign up in the lobby today. Okay? All right. Very good. Why don't you stand up? Tell the person next to you, man, I'm real glad you came to church today. All right? Show them a little love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. God bless you, everybody. I love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.